0: Live from the Great White North, this is the Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. The Canadian Investor Pod. Today is Wednesday, November 4th. I'm here with Simon. Simon, how late did you stay up last night watching the U.S. election results?
1: Um, I mean, on regular year, I probably would have stayed up until like, midnight 1 a.m but uh, around 11 I think I was just like screw this and we're probably not going to get the the results uh, the final results probably not for like two three weeks if you think about it because of certain states the way they count the votes but uh, no I did not stay up that late uh, in the end so uh, yeah it was interesting though how about you
0: Yeah, I think it was like midnight and then I guess just like the rest of us, we realized that there was going to be no real conclusion and there still isn't. However, uh, it is becoming quite clear that mathematically it is very probable that Biden wins the election today. Stocks are up S and P closed today at around up 2.2%. Uh, but that's not reflective of my portfolio. Uh, Holy smokes, everything is really, really green. So I just want to make a quick point here. I'm looking at my stocks today, and many of them are, most of them are up over 8% today, which is insane for a one-day shift, right? This is why you stay invested. This is why you do not shy away of certain events or air quotes right now wait on the sidelines because you miss out on days like this where positions make huge gains and you could actually miss out on gains for the whole year by missing one trading day. And there are so many empirical studies that'll show this from 1999 to 2018. If you missed the 10 best days in the stock market, the 10 highest rises of the S&P 500, your total annualized return was only 2%. So you may as well have been in bonds or it's probably even worse than that just because you missed the top 10 days. So what what is the learning lesson from days like today? There's so much uncertainty and it still is best to be invested. So this is this is key, right? Stay invested. If you miss out on the best days, you can erase your entire returns that you would have got that year. And no one wants to see that. So Simon, this is why we stay invested.
1: Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to predict. And I mean, just I listened to a little bit of CNBC radio as I was working. Just curious what they they were talking about. I always kind of get a kick from time to time just to listen to the talking ads. perspective and i mean some of them are 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 good they know what they're talking about and you'll even have some long-term investors over there but um, even all their analysts they couldn't really say why the market was up a lot of them were probably thinking especially because the nasdaq is really up so a big big part of it obviously is tech and some of them were just saying that the fact that the market now is pricing in more a pre- Biden presidency with a Republican Senate means that uh, Democrats wouldn't control the, the whole U.S. government, which means that it would probably be more difficult for them to break up the big tech companies. But again, that's just speculation. Who knows if that's the uh, the real the real reason why the Nasdaq is uh, up so so big today, but like Braden said, it's really hard to pinpoint what's going to happen. So you're better off staying invested. Uh, I personally always keep a small percentage in cash, so I can pull the trigger and buy companies that uh, that you know in the short term have a, a bit of a dip that I really like. But uh, I wouldn't sell just because I'm afraid of what would be happening at the uh, the U.S. election. Yes,
0: sir. So that's 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 the key, right, is stay invested short term. No one knows what's going to happen. But at the end of the day, results came in and uh, the market thinks that no matter who won or lost the election. That FANG stocks won the election and that tech stocks in the NASDAQ 100 won the election because investors in tech today are feeling pretty good. All right, today we're going to talk about a company called Tencent. And then after that, Simon's going to do a little, should you buy or rent your home and it's not a straightforward answer. It never is. But we're going to break down some of the math that you can actually think about when making that decision, because sometimes one may make a lot more sense financially. Um, okay, so Tencent. This is this is an, uh, an announcement that I finally bought the stock after hinting at it so long. Uh, Simo, you've been in a shareholder for quite some time now, correct? Yeah, I've had
1: it uh yeah, I think two, two, three years, if I remember correctly. Yeah.
0: Mm, yeah. Okay. So I've been basically talking, talking it up for years and done nothing. So I finally own the stock. Feels good. Um this it's it's up five percent and I bought it yesterday, so I'm basically a, a genius and investing is easy, right? Um all jokes aside, this company is massive. So it's very not very well understood, but is China's most important internet business. Um, they're around 760 billion in market cap, which is very similar to the market capitalization of Alibaba. So those are the those are the two big massive giants um, when it comes to internet businesses. But but Tencent is so instrumental in in China, and I'm going to go into those reasons why. So. Uh, Many people don't know how big WeChat is in China. Um, It's quite incredible. So if you don't know what WeChat is, it's basically a lot of the social media apps you use and know rolled into one um, and with a messaging platform similar to a comparable of, say, WhatsApp. So it's super sticky. Everyone uses it. Network effects through the roof. 1.2 billion users and climbing. Um, and there are so many functionalities inside of WeChat uh, that it is core to a Chinese smartphone. The concept of if, if Apple didn't allow Tencent to be on the phones... They just wouldn't sell any iPhones in China. That's how sticky it is. That's how powerful the network effects are. So that that's really key to clear up. Um, the stock IPO'd in 2004 at a valuation of around 790 million USD when it made its debut um, in what is Hong Kong dollars. It's now... a th- 1,000 bagger later at $760 billion in market cap, which is absolutely nuts. Okay, so this is the core business. Social networks, um, which is quite big. 114 million paid video subscriptions as well, and 47 million paid music subscriptions. I just want to give a shout-out to a lot of these stats I'm reading out is from a guy named Paddy McCormick. He has an awesome Substack called Not Boring, And he did this breakdown on Tencent. And I want to give him full credit because he did a really deep dive into their investment portfolio that I'm going to get into. And uh, I hadn't seen any of this data anywhere. Uh, It didn't exist, so he made it. And so I appreciate him for doing that. So a big shout out. Um, Online games is huge. They own 100% of Riot Games, which owns League of Legends. They own 40% of Epic Games, which has Fortnite. Uh they have ten million daily active users, seventeen separate franchises um but when you roll up epic games and 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 uh riot games, the user base is just in the hundreds of millions, not ten million online advertising so they have a media business they have a social ads business as well. A lot of this is rolled in through what's called QQ and WeChat through their products. And then they have uh, fintech business services. So WeChat Pay, QQ Pay. Uh, They have a wealth management business. It's a very, very complex structure of many different businesses rolled up into what is Tencent. So how can we normalize this? Because you're hearing this on the podcast and you're like, okay, well, what's a comparable? All right. So based on... Q2 revenue, this is what you're looking at and, and how their business lines stack up to competitors. Again, Packy McCormick, thank you for making this graphic. It's incredible. So this is Q2 of 2019. So their payments business is around 60% the revenue of, of PayPal. Their subscriptions, which is video streaming uh, and and music streaming, is over half the revenue of Netflix. So just a little over half of Netflix. Their social ads is about 10% of Facebook. Media ads is bigger than the New York Times. Their gaming business is almost double the size of Nintendo. And their cloud business is a small sliver of what AWS is, but growing. So they their core revenue business, their core business Compares on the scale to some of the biggest tech names you know that are listed on North American stock exchanges. So that's that's key. Um, in China, their games platform is the number one app for gaming. Uh, WeChat is the number one smartphone app in ma- monthly active users. Mobile payment is the month highest by monthly active users. Videos number one. News is number one, music's number one, literature's number one, cloud is number two, uh, number one in the app store in, in terms of utilities, and the number one browser by monthly active users. So essentially, they dominate the internet in China, and it's pretty mind boggling to hear some of that. So, the very misunderstood part of the business is their investment wing, the Holding Co um it's pretty incredible what they own so i did a breakdown for that uh today came out a new stratosphere newsletter for for premium subscribers you can go on getstockmarket.com and see it completely free is i did a breakdown of some of the companies in the holding portfolio as well so they own over 700 companies which is absolutely insane and so here's some of the stakes You'll be surprised about if you know C Limited, which is Southeast Asia's fastest growing technology company, they own 25.6% of it. They own 100% of Riot Games, 18% of JD.com, which is a massive e commerce business in China. They own 40% of Epic Games, the creator of Fortnite. They own 5% of Tesla, 6.8% of Spotify, and 5% of Activision Blizzard. And this list goes on and on. Seven hundred different companies in their holding, uh, in their holding co. And it's absolutely nuts yeah, what, this, what this business owns.
1: I was going to say, so the, the Spotify um, portion that you just mentioned, that was an agreement with Spotify as well. So Spotify and Exchange owns a percentage of Tencent Music. So it's an agreement. I think they use some of Spotify's technology in China. Um, and Spotify realized that it was going to be too difficult with for them to uh, try and enter the Chinese market. So they went with that approach.
0: Wow, that's yeah, that's that's good to know because that speaks to like being the gatekeeper of of business in China. It's absolutely nuts. Uh 12.1% of Snapchat as well. Um it it it's mind-blowing to hear these numbers and you think at 760 billion there's so much underpriced uh stake in some of these big other publicly traded companies. And when you compare the revenue streams to some of these other big giants in North America, it's this big black box that's so complicated. Um, and you're probably going to get some price arbitrage built into that. Um, and and th- that's why I think it's such an incredible investment long-term. Is it a Chinese co? Yes. Do you do, do I love that? no, Um, but if you look into the deep story of Tencent, it is a true entrepreneurial uh, story and, and it's going to be a massive business in the future. So I think we've come to the same conclusion on this one, Simon, and, and it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a compounder for a long time.
1: Oh, yeah. And there, the fact that they're a Chinese company, too, like obviously there's added risk and the transparency might not always be as good. Tencent is it is a big company. So I, I mean, my personal belief is that the transparency is a bit better than uh, some other Chinese company. But one of the big advantages of being a big media company or internet company whatever you want to call it what tencent is um the big advantage with them being in china is the barrier to entry so the chinese government it's no secret to anyone Um, in terms of letting businesses enter their market there's usually a lot of you know, regulations that they have to follow a lot more than they would have in the U.S., Canada and Europe, for example, and that can be a big barrier to entry. And obviously you can get into the uh, the free speech and all that. And I'm not trying to go in there, but it's one of the reason why Google is not very present in China. It's probably one of the reason why uh, Spotify decided to partner up with Tencent over actually trying to get into that market. Um, and I know Netflix has some partnerships as well over there, um, so it is, it is a competitive advantage to some extent when you think about it that uh, similar business in North America wouldn't have.
0: Yeah, it, it's important to recognize some of those things, and it's it's not that I'm not thrilled that it's a Chinese company. I, I don't don't mean to say it like that. I think there's lots of great companies in China and China's a great country in many aspects. It's the governance that we've seen from some companies, some bad apples that give you caution. I mean, when you're investing your own money, you have to think about all the risks that exist. And we've seen some unfortunate, uh, let's just say dishonesty um, with U.S. listed companies that are Chinese businesses, we have seen that to be sometimes unfortunately problematic. But don't get me wrong; there are some amazing businesses. Um, this is a great story, true entrepreneurial story. It's not like it's just gatekept by the uh, the Chinese states. That's, that's not how this business operates. But you gotta th- you gotta think about that. And I think what you're saying, Simon, is. Really, some of its moat. If you want to do business in China,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a way to see it, and I mean, there's pros and cons. As long as people are aware of it, um, in terms of risk, I think. You know, you'd be a fool to think that the risk of fraud is not higher in China versus uh, North America, for example. But there is still a risk of fraud uh, for Canadian U.S. listed companies as well. So it's just putting things in perspective as long as you understand the risk. um, I think I mean, I do. I think you do, Braden. That's why we are invested in that company. Um, I just want to make people aware that, you know, it is always a risk uh, that's there as well
0: hundred percent. And because of that, I think that's why the stock trades at reasonable multiples, given its explosive growth and insane network effects uh, that is kind of baked into the price. And if you're okay with that and can handle that and willing to take that on, you could probably buy this business for a decent price, even at seven hundred and sixty billion in market cap. Uh, This thing's an absolute behemoth. All right. Moving on. Simon, so, mean, you're gonna give us a little a little bit of math on buying, renting, the old, the age old debate that I don't know if we've ever even really talked about on this podcast.
1: Uh, no, I don't think we have, and I've gone through this uh, myself um, this earlier this year. So uh, we just bought a new home in Ottawa in early. We bought it late last year, but the closing date was uh, in January, and um, I had some intense discussions with the family members and real estate agents. And uh, what I've noticed that happens a lot of people. Are ingrained have that ingrained in themselves uh, to think that it's always a better financial decision to owning a home versus renting a home. And the typical argument, and I'm sure Braden, you've heard this before, is well, you know, when you're renting, you're paying that to a landlord. If you own your home, you're paying off your mortgage. So it's obviously better to own your home. Have you ever heard that?
0: Of course. Yeah. I mean, the, the old you're wasting money on rent
1: exactly and it's you know, and you guys will see the the way i'll break it down it's One can be better than the other. There are definitely advantages uh, of owning and advantages to renting that are also not monetary. So let's keep that in mind. But at the end, I'll kind of break down the the financial aspect of it. So some of the advantages of owning um, so you can modify the property as you see fit. Obviously, it may require some permits uh, for some big uh, renovations and things like that. Um, There's no risks of being kicked out uh, by the landlord. Um, There's definitely more certainty, especially if you have family and kids and you don't want to be moving for schools. Um, Your payments go towards your home and not towards a landlord, just what I mentioned. And again, you don't have to deal with a landlord, which may be a good or bad thing, depending on who your landlord is. There might be some other advantages uh, that I didn't put, but those are some of the ones that come to mind. The advantages of renting, there's definitely some cost certainty, obviously they can increase your rent, but usually there's a limit to what they can increase it with. Um, In terms of there's also no unexpected repairs, which will typically be covered by the landlord. Um, It's more flexible if you want to move. Um, It's obviously easier to break a lease than in a lot of markets than to sell a home. Uh, There's no property taxes and your utility costs will be lower most likely depending on what's included or not in your rent Um, So from a financial perspective, so should you own or rent? So like I said anyone who tells you if you should own or rent without providing a good explanation um, they've clearly not done their homework and you you know, I, I'm not afraid to push back. I've pushed back on realtors. Uh, I think a lot of realtors are way too exposed to the housing market. Uh, they get their income from that and they'll buy properties and everything is related to that. So try to be careful with what realtors say from time to time. Not saying they're all bad, but some of them, they definitely drink the Kool-Aid. Um, Owning might be better in some cases and renting might be better in other cases, like I mentioned. So what should you look at if you're looking to buy to see if it makes sense from a financial perspective? So first thing you need to do is... What's your down payment with closing costs and what returns would you get if you did not use that money for a down payment? A lot of people tend to forget that because they just see, you know, oh, I'm owning a home. Well, if you're putting $50,000 or $100,000 as a down payment with your closing costs, well, what would be the returns for the duration of the mortgage if you actually put that money in the markets and let it grow? Second thing you'll have to ask yourself is, what is the total cost of owning versus renting in a year? And a lot of people make that mistake. They just think it's their mortgage payment and they can afford that, but they forget about property taxes, home insurance versus renter insurance. Home insurance will typically be higher. The maintenance, um, you'll want to usually allocate about one to 2% of the uh, value of the property each year for maintenance. That would be the average cost, of course some years it may be higher some years it may be lower um utility utility costs will probably be higher as well if you're you're owning a home so you want the total cost that it will give you every year well the cost you every year owning versus renting third thing calculate what your total savings are when you are renting over the uh, period of the mortgage so your total savings every year and then you basically add up your down payments plus closing costs, and then the extra savings that you have every year that you're saving because you're renting. And then once you have that, you can easily calculate uh, the value of your down payment and how it'll grow and the additional money that you'll be adding to that every year. You'll want to make different assumptions. I would recommend seeing how much it would grow from a variety of percentage uh, compound annual uh, increases so i would say you can calculate the numbers differently and use for example four percent a year return up to ten percent depending if you want to be more conservative or not and how certain you are in your investment uh let's say prowess if i (laughs) i would put that and then you want to compare the value of your total returns with that down payment um, the additional money you would put every year versus uh, the value of your home what it will be at the end of your mortgage so in terms of the inflator for the value of your own i would say three to four percent every year is probably around where it should be in terms of compound annual growth rate and then you just compare both numbers at the end to see which one makes the most sense financially so i know it's quite a bit of information at once but it's not all that hard to do you can just kind of create a uh, spreadsheet you can use um Compound calculators you can find them pretty much anywhere on the internet and then you can just plug the numbers in and you'll see Depending how hot a certain market could be in terms of the uh, real estate for owning versus renting uh, one may make more sense than the other again There might be some advantages that are really important to you that are not financial, um, that really tilts the calculation towards owning. But it's really not always true that owning is better than renting.
0: I think we need to uh, make a spreadsheet and put it on the site. We should do that. Did you make one? Yeah, when, when you were doing all this,
1: yeah, I did make we, one. I could, uh, I'd have to tweak it a little bit because I had put some numbers there and put some formulas in. But I could probably do a Google Sheet uh, spreadsheet and put it on the website and just uh, put some information there. So uh, and some notes so people know where to put the information.
0: All right, let's do that. And then when when it's done, we'll we'll let you know on the pod, like next episode or the one after. Um, that this is available because this is something that I feel a lot of people could benefit from is actually not only having the spreadsheet, but just seeing all the line items that need to go into the calculation. Um, and then at the end of the day, it is an emotional decision more than anything. I've always thought of the, the old the age old buy versus rent, because, Say you you do this whole exercise and you figure, okay, expenses-wise, um, owning is going to cost me an extra $300 a month. You need to look at that and think, that's a monthly expense that I'm willing to take on for my family to be here. We own the home you know it's it's what we want we don't have a landlord telling us that we have to leave tomorrow so at the end of the day you're going to find 8 times out of 10 maybe that if you are a pretty good investor and can find returns elsewhere that renting will be cheaper if you actually do the calculation properly which includes all these costs that people never talk about when they own their home. If you do all of that, you'll find, okay, say eight times out of 10, renting is a little bit cheaper. But you find value in owning your home, you find this, you find that, then it's worth it, right? It's just like any other expense that you pay monthly. You you know, you know pay for a car because you get the convenience. It's an added benefit to your life. Etc., etc., whatever it may be. I'm about to spend a couple thousand dollars on a golf membership. It's (laughs) worth it for me. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I'm looking at the annual dues. I'm like, oh, oh God, it's a good thing I really like golf.
1: And yeah, and my main goal here is just to make sure people think think critically when it comes to buying versus renting because you'll get influence whether it's family members whether it's your real estate agent um you know tv radio whatever it is you'll be you'll probably get a lot of outside influence trying to tell you one way or the other probably most likely owning a home is always the best situation and i had a pretty heated discussion with our realtor when um she was trying to tell me that basically this You know, the housing market always goes up and I'm like, oh, yeah, well, you know, you should talk to people in Florida back in 2007, 2008, see what they think about that. So it's true until it isn't. Right. So that's what I was trying to explain to her. I'm not saying that it's not a good investment over the long term. Uh, It might not be the best investment for you, Um, but it's just, yeah, be critical when someone like is absolute on one way or the other, because, um, they're probably wrong. <laughs> That's probably what <laughs> I mean. It's true. I think that the right approach is to be nuanced, like Braden and I are just saying right here. Um, it will really depend on the market you're in, on your personal situation. Um, some markets, it may make complete sense, like it's a no brainer to owning. Some others, I mean, Toronto, uh, I think it's probably better renting over there, especially <laughs> if you're you're uh, you're downtown i i mean i know the the cost of owning is so high in toronto so i it really depends on the and
0: markets. and rents have come and rents have come way down during the pandemic
1: there you go so it might you know i haven't done the calculations for toronto and i know you're more familiar with the the housing and the rental market there than i would be but um it probably makes more sense to rent um that would be my guess without looking at it more in detail so just yeah make sure you do wait
0: you're 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 telling me you don't have 1.8 million dollars to buy a small town home with one bedroom that needs to be completely updated
1: not yet not yet
0: is is that you're telling me (laughs) yeah because you know you come on down to toronto we'll uh, we'll get you set up
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Ottawa market has really gone up and uh, it's we're not obviously it's more affordable than that. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try to create a little spreadsheet for you guys, at least uh, plug in some information and you can crunch out some numbers um, just on your situation. And then I'll give you a, at least a general idea of what's the the best move for you
0: financially. And Simon's not going to remove any of the line items so we can see exactly how much his house costs. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And, all
0: jokes aside, yeah,
1: and actually, I wanted to add one last thing and when you're owning a home too and you're looking for a mortgage, I would strongly recommend going with a mortgage broker and not going with uh, the mortgage guy at your bank um If you get a good mortgage broker, they'll really be comparing with different financial institutions and show you what the best rates are for you whereas they're it, gonna
0: they're gonna shop it around a little bit
1: exactly, whereas the bank'll just kind of give it you their own rate and usually... Whatever their
0: rate is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And they won't try to give you necessarily the best deal because they know you're not shopping around most likely. So that would be another tip. And always crunch the number to make sure that you can afford it because the bank is not looking... If you can keep your lifestyle, the bank is just looking at, can you make the mortgage payment? What is the maximum you can do to just keep making those mortgage payments? If it means that you have to eat craft dinner every night, they don't care. So make sure you keep that in mind too.
0: That's a really good point too, right? Because when they're looking at your credit risk, it's based on like, yeah, are, you, are these people going to be able to meet their obligation? I don't care what they have to do. Uh, to do it. And I think a good rule of thumb in terms of just financial advice in general is the first thing you, you do is should not be walking to the bank for any financial product. Like I'm trying to think if there's any exception to this rule. If you want to open an investment portfolio, where's the last place you should go? Your bank. Um, It seems like that's probably a decent rule for almost every financial instrument.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there's no
0: optionality
1: that's it shop around and usually the mortgage broker if you get a good one they'll be able to explain everything to you they'll tell you okay like right now fixed rates are probably the way to go um, for most people and so depending on who you're with the penalty if you have to sell your home before the five years is over uh, could be really high depending who you go with so that's something you will want to ask okay if I need to sell in two years from now and break the the mortgage what's a penalty Uh, it can be the difference between you know, seven, eight thousand dollars and thirty, forty grand right there. So just make sure you do your due diligence, but a more a good mortgage broker will be able to explain all that all that to you.
0: All right. I think that does it for this episode, guys. I realized that I never actually plugged the ticker for 10 cent. So it is traded over the counter on New on US exchanges as T C E H Y. So you'll know you have the right one if it's TCEHY and then it might have in brackets OTC or semicolon OTC depending on your brokerage. But TCEHY is the one that's actually listed in U.S. dollars that you can buy. Uh, I think they pay dividends, so maybe RSP is the right place for it.
1: Tiny, very tiny.
0: (laughs) Very tiny, so I mean maybe – but as long-term investors – the yield on cost might be pretty juicy one day there, Sorry.
1: <laughs> it's going to take a while. The base is so low.
0: <laughs> it's so low. Um, I didn't even mention that they pay a dividend. That's how low it is. But again, TCEHY is the ticker. That does it for this week, guys. Thank you so much. We will see you next week. As always, stockmarket.com. You can make an account and see my latest report on Tencent um, and another company, a Canadian company, for the Canadian portfolio that I bought. Uh, yesterday as well and you can see that at getstockmarket.com no credit card required you can make an account for free thanks guys we'll see you guys next week bye-bye
1: the canadian investor is not to be taken as investment advice Braden or simon may own securities mentioned on this podcast always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment decisions